You're listening to The Mando Show, a weekly podcast and review of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. This week we have a special MercsCon Line edition for the benefit of UNICEF. COVID 19's hit everyone hard, so do your part to help those less fortunate by making a donation today at the link below. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mando Show, the Clan of Four. We love the Mandalorian. Yep. We watch the Mandalorian. We talk about the Mandalorian. To the right of me is uh, Udi Alvarado, Star Wars fan and podcaster. And as always, across the table from me is uh, this is Joey, the unapologetic Star Wars fanboy. And to the right of me, our very own Chad, the resident Mandalorian Merc. And I am Derek Alvarado, father of two, tattoo artist, and Star Wars fan for life. Man, we have been on a journey. We are very honored to be here today to talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have been talking about Mandalorian on Disney Plus since right before it came out, and it has changed Star Wars for the better. We have seen so many great things coming out. So many great storylines have happened and so many insights into Star Wars altogether. Uh, yeah, when, when you look at how it hit the, the culture, um, I think it was something that wasn't quite, um, nobody was really prepared for. Um, and to me, being you know a uh, Star Wars fan, your anticipation level is always high when you're going to get new content. And then you, the show launches, and it is, you know, we watch the first one, has that Western feel, directed by Filoni, and you're, like, blown away. I am completely blown away. We had so many things to say about it, but the one thing that I was kind of set back and surprised by is how it flooded the popular culture so quickly, beyond anything that I would have anticipated. So when we're running around talking about the Mandalorian, you have more and more people go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you're like, we've never talked Star Wars ever before yeah. in, my, in, in our lives. I've, I've known you for a while. And what? You're talking to me about Star Wars? So it's been an absolute positive effect in the overall fandom, uh, I think, and has enriched and brought in a bunch of new fans. Exactly. Like, we got a bunch of fr- fans that are fr- our friends that are fans and um, just wearing, you know, mo- most of the stuff is – Baby Yoda on this show, we call him Tiny, which stands for This Is Not Yoda. And uh, we <laughs> it's a big discussion in a lot of past episodes. Yeah, we but, have. And you got one of your co-hosts on another podcast does not like Star Wars and not a fan, but she's all over uh, Tiny. And Well, to speak to that, that has actually converted her. Yeah. She went back because of this show and would give me much, much, much grief over my, my, fan, my fandom of Star Wars. And now... This show has completely made her do a 180. She's gone by, back and watched every episode multiple times. And every movie, we're talking 1 through 9, plus Solo, plus Rogue One. And she has begun watching Clone Wars and is waiting <laughs> to go into Rebels. So to me, um, you know, having that kind of a positive effect, I'm like, thank you. Um, thank you for bringing that in for as much as we've been up and down in... 
Star Wars universe right now, um, this is like a positive, hugely positive thing. Yeah, and from the club level, this kind of um, recognition and involvement is unprecedented. Even in the Clone Wars and Rebels when they introduced Mandalorians, we didn't see kind of the reception that it had towards the club and towards costuming that the Mandalorian does. When those new uh, Death Watch costumes came out and Sabine came out, we'd see a couple extra people apply, but it was mainly the people already involved who were like, oh, I have an extra costume I can build. But now with the Mandalorian, we have people coming out of the woodwork. Hey, I want to be a merc. I want to be a Mandalorian. I see what you guys do. This is cool. I want to get involved. We just recently launched a build group on Facebook that you can find at Facebook under Mandalorian Mercs Build Group. And after opening, I think it took a couple of days to get to 2,000 plus members. Wow. And we're, we're <laughs> way beyond that now. Um, and we have people every day messaging us on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page. Hey, how can I get involved? What can I do? Which, for those of you listening, you can go to our website, MandalorianMercs.com, or you can go to the aforementioned Facebook build group, and you can get meet anyone from around the world, from official members to council members to the Mandalore himself, who will give you tips and advice on costuming, how to get involved, and what you can do to join the realistic Mandalorian way of life. That is amazing. It's so gratifying for all the things that we've seen that we've had come out of this. Um, the storylines that are happening the public involvement the uh, love for star wars that we have all had since we were kids and now it is exploding everywhere and it is an amazing thing to see we also get to see a lot of uh, new things we get to see, talk to a lot of new people we get to get involved in star wars and what it means to us on a personal level on technical levels when it comes to costuming when it comes to filmmaking when it comes to special effects um, and the, the long-term history of star Wars that has been going on. Uh, it has been an amazing thing to watch and listen to. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the one thing that, um, again, is it, it, it's driving in, um, new people into, and hopefully even the casual, um, star Wars fan that maybe knows about the movies and doesn't really know about, Clone Wars or or um, or Rebels or Rise of the Resistance or any of the animation or other avenues. I mean, I'm not a big book guy, but Joe's been starting to read ah- Ahsoka and uh, different things that are going. But the, the one thing that I really appreciate the show for as a Star Wars fan is, like Derek was mentioning, the content and then but also making it a lot more easy for people to go deeper into what we've had and maybe getting even a deeper understanding of why Star Wars is as significant to so many people as it really is. So to, to me, that is the one thing that is amazing, and, I, and we love it. We call them Easter eggs. You know, a lot of people go, oh, did you see that Easter egg? Did you see that Easter egg? To me, Easter eggs help guide people further and, and really go deeper. I've had to explain that to a few people as to why a character is important maybe in the series, but really can point to a deeper um, storyline. So we've been enjoying The Mandalorian since it came out, and every single one of us has been just floored by one moment or another on this show. Um, some great Star Wars moments that have been happening. Woody, what are, what are, you, what are your, one of your favorite moments? Well, I, I have a few, um, and... Um, 
Beyond the the action, I think there is a lot of good action, but there are moments where I enjoy, um, really, in episode four, uh, we've talked about it uh, on the show before, and the one thing um, that really hit me upon a full rewatch of of the series is in four, at the very end, when um, Mando is at that point where he has to decide what his future is going to be and what his future is and what he thinks he wants to do for the child, for Tiny. And to me, it was everything driven by emotion and family. Now, he had that option of being like, can I stay here, keep my family together, because they're throwing it at him, family. Like, you know, Car is like, you can stay here. You can be here with your boy. Why do you want to leave? Has that question, and then... You know, it is snapped back into reality like I can't live that dream. And if you go back, there are moments in time when he talks to Quill and also when he talks to Kara. He's looking for family, and those are moments where he's like, Hey, can you be you, I want you on my crew. Like I need a crew and I can pay you. And he you know, he's thinking monetarily and very much like a bounty hunter. I can pay you for you to be here, but when you see that, I think you can tie those in a little bit better and going, he's looking for the family he didn't have. And I thought that, when you look at that moment, and then it kind of shoots out in, in both into the first episode and into the last episodes, it's pretty cool when you have that little pivotal moment in 4 where he has that shift of like, okay, I think I'm going to do that and leave him and I did my part, to like, oh, nope, I'm not done yet. And uh, I have more things I'm going to have to do that I may not want to do. Or, but he has now that choice has been made for him, and so he has to move forward. And I thought that pivotal right in the middle of the first season is a good pivot point. I mean, re- really in the middle, he pivots over to like, okay, I'm going to leave him, blah, 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 and then he, he decides, oh, no, I can't. And I thought that was great, just a pivot, and then we move forward and go where we are. All right, cool. And Joe, what was your <laughs> one of your favorite moments there? Man, in, in a show full of amazing moments, both you said action and emotional. Um, I'm just going to go with the first moment we had, and it was the opening scene. It laid down the tracks of for what ride we were going to get on, and just see the pacing of it. It's like, you know, we're joking around seeing the, about the previews. Oh, it looks like a space western, space western, and stuff. And first the three seconds. That's exactly what we get, a space western, the whole bar. And just the quick intensity of it when, you know, he walks in, you just hear the storm and all that. Then uh, the funny thing, too, is the the eight, like the guy, the human-looking guy is I, – I thought this was funny, but how he speaks a different language, mm-hmm. but then the alien speaking English. and so, But that whole, you know, about him taking his credits and – then Mando comes in and, you know, knocks it. Well, he didn't necessarily knock his drink over, but um, he took the blame for it. But just the whole, you know, the guy's like, you spilled my drink and nothing. Goes up to the bar. I said you spilled my drink, you know. And then just all action of, you know, the bartender's like, oh, here, it's on me. And then, you know, grabs a mug and boom, you know, just the old uh, outlaw Josie Wells kind of kicks in and knocks everybody out. Uh, what? What we call the uh, one of the still one of the coolest scenes we call it hashtag uh, killed by a door mm-hmm. uh, happens and then just the little comic timing of uh, Horatio Sands and just instantly then we get that line that I could take you in warm I could take you in cold then boom 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 and it's like then the the titles and 
my, yeah, I was already, yeah, I was already. Have you hooked? <laughs> I Have was hooked. hooked yeah. I was hooked before, but this was the insurance that we are going to get a changing, a, uh, I don't say a life changing, but a fandom changing show. Yeah. And, and, you know, I grew up with, you know, watching spaghetti westerns and watching Clint Eastwood and, and John Wayne and, and different movies like that. So that feel, I mean, all the way down, I mean, all you needed when the door opened, I mean, classic, like outsider, you know, the, the, you know, high plains drifter, Clint Eastwood could have been there with the, you know, with the poncho on and the hat. I'm like, my gosh, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Stepping up to the bar, ordering a whiskey, kind of the whole thing. And you're like, oh my God, how much of a Western is that? I mean, straight down to the drink coming down the bar and getting blocked and off we go to the comic relief and everything else that follows that. It was fantastic, yeah. I remember pausing the show as soon as it like cut to the main title, and I think it's—I can still remember. I'm pretty sure it's three minutes and forty-one seconds in, <laughs> and I'm just staring at my pause TV, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this show is so great, and it's going to be life-changing." And we're three minutes into it. <laughs> I remember watching the first episode. I think it was about seven times, over and over and over again. Just could not get enough of it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Chad, what was your favorite moment or one of your favorite moments? Well, before I go into mine, I just want to briefly mention that that human speaking alien, uh, Tate Fletcher will be on later today in an interview. Um, and for those who didn't catch on, he also doubles as Paz Vizla in the show. Um, so that's kind of a cool little Easter egg. And uh, you can look forward to listening to his interview later today. For me, though, as a Mandalorian, easy, easy, easy choice. Episode three, The Sin. And you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this but, is the way, yeah. But just briefly going into the episode, we as the audience kind of knew there was a moral conundrum for the Mandalorian and Tiny and is he going to turn him in? What's he going to do? And you didn't really see him have, like, there'd be hints of it on the show and then he'd like close the little cradle and you'd be like, oh, okay, a little, a little cold. Um, but this episode starts, you see the title roll, The Sin, and you're like, oh boy, it mm -hmm. is so on. <laughs> And this episode directed by Deborah Chow and watching the first episode of Disney Gallery about the directors, you hear her being like, you know, I love action. I kept asking John Favreau, hey, can I off more stormtroopers? And he's like, yeah, whatever you want. And man, did she go. She did great work in this episode from, you know, his explosive devices, the flamethrowers, the stun vibro knife, and then cool gadgets and in introductions that. Um, John Favreau, Dave Filoni introduced like whistling birds we'd never mm -hmm. seen before. Like what a cool gadget that he had. But then the penultimate scene, the, the showdown on Navarro, the Mandalorian, I'm going to walk to my ship and you're going to get out of my way. And you have grief Karga and the entire Merc's guild has him surround or the, uh, bounty hunter guild has him surrounded. And then what a great symbolism that that arch was for the Mandalorians to come flying over and I'm pretty sure worldwide, in unison, every Mandalorian is, oh, yeah! And <laughs> at this point, we've replaced that with this is the way, yeah. which is now, you know, the sim symbolic calling card that if you've listened to the show, you know we always finish up with. Um, but to see them, you know, Paz Vizsla come flying over at that heavy repeating gun, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised or I don't think I'd be out of line to say that his costume is probably the new favorite, even more than Din Djarin, just because of how much of a bad a he is in that episode. Um, and yeah, man, like just chills. I, I could rewatch that episode every day for the rest of my life and it would never get old. And just, you know, 
goosebumps, hair raising at the mm-hmm. very end. Like that's that's that call to arms that gets you to stand up and go, oh yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a great episode. So for me, it's going to be a little bit more on the obvious side. Um, <clears throat> my favorite one, or one of the, my favorite moments in the show, is it could, does come at the very end of the season. Uh, you have a character of mine that I was kind of cheering for through the entire uh, first season. IG uh, comes in, and he is a new IG at this point. And uh, his redemption, I mean, there's redemption for IG. There's redemption happening all over the place, actually, on this final episode. It's not just for one particular character. But um, as we see through the uh, season, uh, Mandalorian is not a fan of droids at all. And he's got good reason for that, as we come to discover. But uh, IG gets retrained or reprogrammed reprogrammed or relearned or reborn, (laughs) however Mm -hmm. way you want to look at it. By um, Quill. By Quill. That's right. Gosh, I forgot his name. But uh, by Quill. And um, it, it's an amazing thing to see because when we first see IG, he is very much a killing machine. And not, it hasn't changed too much except he's got one overriding drive, which is protect Tiny at all costs. He calls himself a nurse droid mm-hmm. at the end. And uh, watching that story arc come to fruition is very satisfying. It's very fun. It has some funny moments. It has some incredibly heart-touching moments, uh, heartwarming moments, too, and uh, kind of heartbreaking, too. So you get all the feels from this one particular character uh, through this story. And it's it's one of my favorite things that I saw happen through the entire thing. And, again, came to fruition at the very end, but it was very well worth the wait. So, Yeah, and, and I think... Um... The one thing that was done correct um, by Taika is he built that character up and it made you, by watching him kind of evolved after Quill reprograms him and shows him, I have to re- I had to retrain him and all that. You know, you get that, once you go through that, you understand even deeper how much now that full transformation is all the way through and then to watch what he does at the end and then understanding how how the Mando now respects him, I think is freaking phenomenal. And, and uh, just a credit to great storytelling across the board. Yes, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Especially when, um, if you watch the Disney Gallery, uh, Deborah Chow talks about doing that montage, and at the time it seemed a little silly, but she's like, you know, it'll it'll fit. Then how that montage of IG Eleven getting repurposed, reprogrammed like a, a child, it really makes the scene <clears throat> that uh, Derek talks about really pay off at the end. For those who want to let us know what your favorite episode is, you can make a donation to UNICEF in the comments. Let us know what your favorite episode is. I'll start it off by making a $25 donation for episode three, The Sin. Let us know what yours is and make a donation to UNICEF today. So, Chad, you have had your costume for how long? His kit. Since 2013. Your kit, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Chad. 2013, official, technically official, in 2015. Okay. How long did it take you to put that together? You know, it comes in bits and pieces. If if you have time, dedication, a little bit of money, and you have people who are in the know, which is easy to do. There's clans worldwide. I think we have 73 at this point, and there's people everywhere. Um, if it, Or if you don't have anyone local, like I said, you have the builder builders group on Facebook and the forum. There's people out there who can help you, and with that helping hand, you can get through the process relatively quickly. Um, for me, I, di- I didn't do it as you know, dedicated as I could have been. So it was bits and pieces over the years until, uh, I finally got official in 2015, um, right around celebration at Anaheim of that year was when I finished up. 
Um, and if you see my first kid, I'll, I'll, I have a picture of my then and now that I'll have Joey post on our uh, Instagram. But like my my inspiration was always the Mandalorian protectors from the uh, the old comics that are now le- in Legends. Because the history behind them was the Mandalorian protectors were old Mandalorian police officers who took up the helm against the Empire after they took over Mandalore. Which as a police officer was inspirational to me. That was a really cool backstory to have my character be. Um, so my first kit was Big Green Giant because that was the color they were in the old comics. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, re- I remember it. The old green. I'm sure if you uh, don't know characters like Spar, Toby Dalla, Fen Saisha, or the original Protectors. Um, and then, you know, that was what I rolled with. I really liked it. I liked the story, so I held on to it. And then Dave Filoni, my man, comes out <laughs> in Rebels and introduced the new Protectors with these brilliant blue, white, yellow paint schemes. So I, I saw that and was like... Oh my god! I got like I got to change mine. I got to be the new protector. Um, so I had a local clan mate, Dan Frank. Um, he was in Northern California. He's a brilliant painter. So I gave him my kit, and he he did me a solid and repainted it in beautiful fashion. Like I could just stare at my helmet all day. Oh, it, yeah. is, it is so beautiful. It is a good looking bucket. Yeah. So that's where my inspiration came from, and that's what really got me motivated to get that done. Was seeing, and Dave Filoni is really good about that. He. He sees the creativity we bring, and it kind of, he said, inspires him, but he never wants to take from us. Well, I'm sorry, Dave, I took straight from you. (laughs) I was like, that's mine. Thank you. Uh, Which he appreciated, because I got to see him one time um, at a premiere, and I had my helmet on me, because they've invited the clubs a couple of times to come be like pro fans. You got to see Dave? You Mm -hmm. met Dave? From like across the red carpet. He's like, that's a great bucket. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is the greatest moment of my life. Uh, wow, I would have so, cried too. I oh, almost yeah. want to cry now, just for that. Uh, can, for you. I, I want to interject because you were sending me pictures. I think same mm-hmm. same same event, right? Yeah, I, I think pic- I sent you the picture of me and Kevin Smith. Yep, and I'm like you, oh. Oh. and like he's like, and then and then who? I forgot everybody. Which you, I mean, everybody you can assume at this point, Kevin Smith is one of the nicest people alive. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He was so like he didn't have to give me the time of day, and he took he's standing there and talking to just everybody who came by, like he. He knew he was there for the premiere and to have a good time himself, but he's like, hey, I'm here to enjoy the fandom with all of you and yep. those of you who like my work and clerks and mall rats and <laughs> all that stuff. He was more than happy to talk to anybody. Yep. Like, Kevin Smith is ever. one of us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, totally one of us. But yeah, I, I remember that going, oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah, That's awesome. So for those who want the chance to have opportunities like that, you can make your costumes too. Um, and the Mandalorians introduced a lot of new costumes. We have the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, uh, we currently now have approved um, for application. We have the armorer, who we have one official armor too out of uh, the Garrett clan in Washington. Congratulations to them for being really quick on that. And we also have costume references for Paz Vizsla, the heavy Mandalorian. Um, I don't believe we have an official member for that yet. But I know uh, through the builders group that I'm a moderator on, I see a lot of people posting their progress and work in progress posts. And the uh, the prevalence of 3D printing has made these costumes really easy to achieve because the files are out there. They're usually free, shared freely. Um, if they're not, they're usually relatively cheap. The the cost behind it is, A, having a 3D printer, and B, buying the print material, which is stupid expensive. Um, so we should be seeing a huge flux of these costumes coming through. And even if you're not going for the Canon, Din Djarin, Armor, Paz Vizsla builds, um, their pieces are allowed to be used in custom kits, which is mainly what the Mandalorian mercs are. We have cannon builds, your Bobas, your Jangos, and other stuff like that. 
But the majority of our membership are custom self-made Mandalorians, their own pieces, their own color schemes, their own stories, which makes, to me, it makes the club a little more special and sentimental and have personal value behind it. Cause we're not just movie quality costumes. We are personalized quality costumes, give, giving, you know, culture and life to the Mandalorian culture kind of before Dave Filoni took it off with Clone Wars and with Rebels because the founder Mandalore the United uh Mandalore the Uniter Tom Hutchins started the club long before any of that stuff had come out and he'd uh, had the ball rolling on Man- the Mandalorian way of life um but Dave Filoni really exploded it with Clone Wars with Rebels and so the club's kind of starting to make soft costumes now where we hadn't before it was always you know you had your helmet you had your armor um, but now because of, you know, the storylines that happened on Sundari, we've had Duchess Satine, who has entirely soft costume. Mm-hmm. You never see her in any kind of armor. And we have an official Duchess Satine in her, you know, cloth robe and everything. Very cool. Um, we'll have other soft costumes uh, being approved soon, including custom soft costumes. So where you can have a soft costume for your custom Mandalorian without having to be a actual face character. Um, I'm sure we'll have CRLs for the new... Uh, Clone Wars season seven builds the Gar Saxons, the um, can't remember her name, Rook something, the the female. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't think we'll have, but I think we do. And give me credit, guys. Darth Maul soft costume. Mm-hmm. He's no, Mandalore. He is for oh. a hot minute. Right. right. I don't think it's gonna happen, but do, do, does, Ray Park and Daniel Logan are really close. Daniel Logan, they're both honorary members, but obviously Daniel Logan has a little more involvement yep. being the young Boba Fett. So the question is though, do you need to have a dark saber <laughs> to fully to fully be there? You know, we I, I think you might, because weapons yeah. are, are part of a requirement. Yep. So if you're if you're gonna be a Darth Maul, I think you should have a, a dark saber. I, yeah, that's where I'm at. But I am I'm of the opinion Darth Maul. Sundari soft costume should be an official costume. <laughs> App team, don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and when you're talking about just the detail that <clears throat> Filoni puts in, I mean, you were really, I think it was episode four when he's fighting Cara Dune, you're like, you're looking really deeply like, oh, yep, they do. They did add <laughs> kidney plates behind his cape. So, I mean, they're really detailed. Back plate, too, because he has, he has the cape on the entire time. And I'm like, oh, hey, like, you know. We have a requirement for a backplate in the costume unless you have a full cape covering and you can't tell. So I'm like, okay, they went the cape route. You can't see it. And then when Cara Dune just smacks him in the face and he's, he face plants on the ground mm-hmm. and the legs kick up, I was Scorpion. like, backplate, yeah. backplate, he's got a backplate. Well, and then and then also when he gets shot, remember, you're talking about yeah, that ep- is why he has a kidney plate. <laughs> in episode five when yeah. Fennec Shan nails him with the sniper rifle, yeah. right, the kidney plate, I'm like, that's why we all have <laughs> kidney plates. Okay, it makes sense now. Oh, man, man, that sounds um, that's incredible! All the different things that are coming into the Mando Mercs too the the costumes, the new costumes that are being uh, made and approved, and that's that, that's amazing. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, I, like I didn't even touch on the new Death Watch builds that oh, you just oh, see wow. in passing. Oh I, man, I think we already have. Uh, we don't have approved, but we have a couple of people who have finished Death Watch costumes ready to go. It's just a matter of our costume reference being completed so that they can apply. So we're going to see a lot, a lot of new Mandalorians. That's great. Yeah, and and as a guy who's gone with you on a number of occasions to go troop with you, one thing that is really cool, like you were talking about, the Mercs, the variety, and I think I always found it cool, like, okay, they have that, how's their kit, what is the difference between their kit and their color scheme and all those different things. 
on top of, I mean, you know you're going to run across at that time, you're run across your Boba or your Django and your, your character. But to me, it was always cool to look at the individual like yours and individual people who weren't face characters and just running around and having their own personal um, touches and their own personal Mandalorian. And I'm thinking those people are Mandalorian because they are living the way and expressing it through their, their armor and their kit. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I rem- the one I remember to this day is from Celebration at Anaheim in 2015. And it was a, she was a female in Mandalorian, but she had a full, uh, uh, what was that creature, Nexu? The Nexu front- cape, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah. So she's got the head over her helmet and the teeth are right in front of her her uh, visor and everything. But it, and then it flowed back like a cape. It was one of the most amazing. And her, then her armor, I mean, was awesome too. So it was one of the... Coolest Mando, or one of the coolest Star Wars uh, cosplay costumes I've seen. Yeah, I remember working the booth in costume, and she walks up, and I'm under my helmet geeking. I'm like, oh my god, it's so cool! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the one thing, like you're 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 saying, having Filoni come out and then really um, expound on uh, the Mandalorian lore through different forms. I mean, we have it in Rebels, we have it in Clone Wars, and I think that. Um, to to me is incredibly interesting. We we've talked about it on the show. We've we've gone over the Clone Wars and how um, now we have we can go back into those episodes and kind of touch back in and then bring him forward and how great Filoni was to to do tie in after tie in after tie in. So if you don't know, like you know, for the finale of the show, the end is cool. But if you understand what really happened there. Then, I mean, like all of us at this table, we freaked out because we knew what was going on. And I think that was, I mean, having Filoni go back and connect all that is freaking great. Which is another thing we like to do when we're uh, on the show is we look at all the other different Star Wars things that are coming out and see how they all tie in. And just, you know, to be able to geek out about all the new fun Star Wars stuff that's out. The last few episodes of... Clone Wars, or the last season of Clone Wars that came out recently was something that we were all very into watching because we knew there was going to be a tie-in with all the Mandalorians and watching the uh, Siege of Mandalore have the official view of what happened and see how it all came about was a great thing to see too. Uh, The other thing we've been doing uh, since we are waiting on season two of The Mandalorian is uh, listening to and watching all the new rumors and quote unquote (laughs) news of who's going to be in it. Uh, But the other great thing that has come out recently that we're also very much into is the uh, Disney plus um, behind the scenes of the Mandalorian gallery, Disney gallery. Yeah. Great stuff there too. A lot of insight as to how it's done. If you like that kind of uh, behind the scenes thing, something to look at. And we've been going, that is what we are going through and talking about now and uh, we have enjoyed that thoroughly. And we get to see a lot of um, ama- the process of, of how the show is done. What's the thought process behind it? Just <laughs> everything they put into it, just the love of Star Wars. There's just, there's just so much. You got you to gotta watch it. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, as all these rumors, most of them have been casting rumors. So some of them, you know, we're kind of like rolling our eyes like, oh, you know, just want to throw. But it's funny because the first big rumor was... Um, uh, Ahsoka being cast in the season two of The Mandalorian. Well, first of all, season two's wrapped. They're in post production, so these it's funny how these rumors are coming out. Like, oh, so and so just cast, just cast, but it's already so. But it 
when the Soka rumor was coming out, we're, we're kind of oh, well, taking it with a grain of salt. But then the Siege of Mandalore hope happens, and it ties in with like, okay, you see her relationship, her new relationship with Bo Katan, and it's like, oh, I kind of see how it would transition to Mandalore, and especially then the next rumor was Tamora Morrison coming in as a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, first it said Boba Fett, but we're all thinking old man Rex, you know, coming yeah, obviously, in. yeah. yeah. And I mean, we got rumor after rumor, but so it's, it's funny cause how the timing of everything is, uh, being that the show's, um, wrapped. And I'm wondering what kind of rumors are going to get once, cause we're going to break down, uh, the Mandalorian episodes of Rebels probably soon after we're done with galleries. So I wonder what's coming up after that. Well, I think, I think, um, the, the mo- most recent one with, uh, Timothy Oliphant, and and that is a good question. It's like where, you know, how much of it is real? I mean, a lot of people when when Rosario um, Dawson cast, and I'm air quoting cast, and then um, all the other ones, you're like, okay, like you said, Joe, they're wrapped. What what are they doing? And how much of it is real? And I think um, you can look at it, and we do. We kind of go like, okay, him and Hobbit, because how much of it is real? I don't want to get too amped up over it, but you, you got to think. That is great because look at how people are trying to reach and like they're trying to pull people in and they're looking at storyline. So, I mean, Rosario Dawson, and Ahsoka Tano, um, and then, you know, Old Man Rex. And then, you know, with Timothy Oliphant, I know what I said mm-hmm. uh, on our last episode. I threw out, you know, um, Jodo cast in there, you know, because the rumor he's going to be in a Boba Fett costume, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, well. Does Boba Fett really fit? I mean, we can go into that argument. I'm not going to go there. But I think it's great. One one part of it is kind of a, not annoying, but it's kind of like, okay, how much do we believe? But the other part of it, the positive side of rumors is these are people wanting. You can tell people want more story, and they're trying to go deep. And if any one of these is true, I mean, then we we are seeing, I think, a path to even better storytelling. It seems to me that... Mandalorian is going to be the springboard for many new Star Wars uh, IPs that are going to be coming out. The the Obi-Wan tie-in, hopefully, there'll be one. Ahsoka, there's definitely lots of things um, being talked about on the internet as to where that character is going to go, especially since she played such a big part in wrapping up Clone Wars. Now, everybody that watches or... I would imagine people that watch Mandalorian know that Dave Filoni and John Favreau have a, obviously are the driving force behind that show. And Dave Filoni is the driving force behind Clone Wars. Now, he has been able to tie in so many different things between Clone Wars, Mandalorian, and Star Wars Rebels that it has been very fun to see how that tapestry of Star Wars is getting woven into this amazing story that is crossing all genres um, of entertainment. Now, I'm hoping that this next season will serve will serve as a springboard to see some of these characters go off into their own shows that we'll be able to watch on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Ahsoka being one of them, she's quickly become, if she hasn't already been, a favorite of a lot of Star Wars fans out there. Um, but some of the other characters, too, that are happening. Rex is quickly growing behind her, I think, as far as one of the favorite characters that are there. Um, so seeing that maybe play out in uh, live action or even another separate animated show would be great to see. Um, the different characters that are going to be going through 
Mandalorian to lay credence to his story. Uh, they have said that some of the original trilogy characters are supposed to be making an appearance in the Mandalorian. Now, do we want to see it right away already? Do we want to see it in season two? Or are we still just happy with Mando and the child and see what his story is doing? I think with, like you mentioned, who the driving force is, Filoni and Favreau, if it's any big characters, it'll be taken, it'll be done with a lot of TLC, and it'll be to serve the story as they, when they've introduced certain uh, original, trilo- original trilogy characters like Lando, Princess Leia, and the Rebels. There were small scenes, but or small parts, but there are big parts for the story of that episode. So I, I think uh, if there's any established characters, it'll be be like that. Yeah, they were story-driven cameos and not just cameos for the sake of cameos, which furthers the story of the Mandalorian and the child, which I'm good with. But I I have reservations hearing all of these rumors of all these people coming to the show because it's like, we want to watch a show about the Mandalorian and the child. I don't want to watch a show that just has all these different Star Wars characters popping up for no reason at all. Um, but my own reservations are a weakness because I trust Dave Filoni, I trust John Favreau, and I know they're going to do a great job with it, so I don't know what I'm really worried about. Well, I think uh, I see your point because, yeah, it can be when you have uh, the success of the show that maybe they weren't quite anticipating, um, you can have that that knee-jerk reaction to kind of go like, oh, we need more, and, and unfortunately... That has happened in the past with Star Wars. They just started, you know, content, 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 and it wasn't always, you know, you can argue whether good or bad. But um, now, like Chad said, we trust Filoni because he has a body of work that you can watch and you realize how much it means to him. And then watching, going further into the gallery, it's even put forth even more. So, yeah, what, what I hope is the same thing that Derek was saying is like, don't give us a show filled with a bunch of different people. We're there for the Mandalorian. We're there for his journey. For, uh, you know, if we get more Kara or Grief, all established characters that we've seen them transforming and having an arc, I would prefer for it to be there. Now, with the past of Filoni, like Joe was saying, we have intermittent uh, characters jump in, and it is story-driven. So I would assume watching the track record of Filoni and understanding Favreau, that is what's going to happen here. Yeah, and if you have reservations about Dave Filoni, watch episode two of the gallery, the legacy episode, which we'll be reviewing upcom- upcoming, um, probably be out Sunday, Monday. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it is going to change your perception of probably one of the most vilified and hated Star Wars movies, The Phantom Menace. And right. he's going to talk about it, and it's going to blow your mind, and you're going to rewatch it again, and it's probably going to climb the char- charts on a lot of people's and where that movie falls in their in their favorite Star Wars movies, just because of his depth and understanding of it, and how much time that he spent with George. You know, um, Gina Carano kind of said it in the first episode for the directors, like Dave Filoni's a walking encyclopedia of Star <laughs> Wars. He doesn't just have that fanboy knowledge of oh, I know, I remember this, I remember that. It's it's kind of how he explained George's understanding. It's this way, and this is why it's that way, which is, you know, yeah. Oh, I, I, I like. I don't even know how, <laughs> how to say it. That just to me is the love of Star on Wars. another level. Yeah, and that's why to me this show is so special because it had even the tiniest elements that one thing that the 
uh, and I love it, the sequel trilogy didn't have was like the original, the, the aliens and creatures we're used to seeing, even in just in the background, like Jawas and Rodians and the uh, Slacious Crumb character on the roster. That was, that was brilliant. <laughs> but, just, you know, our two units, I mean, we're seeing these, these uh, faces that, you know, we grew up with as kids and, you know, we, we'd see them in weird uh, animated versions, <laughs> you know, on the on Clone Wars and Rebels. But to actually see them again on the big screen, even, even though the Jawas had red eyes because they're off-world, I didn't, I didn't get that. But they still look cool, <laughs> and especially when they uh, disintegrated. I mean, that's <laughs> one of the classic oh, yeah. uh, scenes of this first season. Well, and that's the funny thing you uh, just said that we see them on the big screen. It's on TV. Well, it's, it all feels <laughs> it, it feels, all feels like it's movie yeah. quality, though, and that's what it is. And that's part of uh, what makes there's so there are so many different things that make the Mandalorian a great show to watch. But that's part of it too. You feel like you're watching a movie, and that's a that's not a a common thing for a TV show to to have. Thank you to those still listening, attending MercsCon Line. Take a moment to. Click on the link below and make any donation you can to UNICEF for the COVID-19 relief efforts. We've been talking a lot about speculation, rumors, but we do actually know some facts for Season 2 of The Mandalorian coming up this fall. One of them we know is it's eight chapters again, and we know chapter titles. And then we also know who's directing, and we have a few different directors this year than we had from last year. Um, I guess we're going to start with the titles. I have them here. So chapter one, we have The Search, which kind of makes sense. We left off the eighth episode. He was tasked by the armor. You know, the child, you can't train yet or raise the Mandalorian way because he's not strong enough. So you have to return him home. Um, So that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah. And and the one thing that we can bring up, every title has been very descriptive, even though we may not know exactly what's going to happen. Everyone has been like, you you get it, it. you get a feel for it. So, yeah, having that... Gives you a hint. Yeah, it does sure. give you a pretty big hint. Once you're done, you're like, okay, I, I get it fully. So, with that, hearing that, I'm like, exactly. Okay, we're, he's going to be moving. Like, where do I... Where did, where, did, where did Tiny come from? Where am I going? What am I doing with him? Yeah. What is he even? Yep, because that is one of the underlying <laughs> questions through the entire show. Anybody is like, the nobody what is he? Knows nobody what he knows. Is. They haven't even mentioned he's a Jedi. I think the armor was like space wizards. Yeah, and like, you haven't heard Jedi. You've heard... Oh, this, she, she mentioned Jedi once. Did she say Jedi? End. She called him Jedi, yes. Did she? Yeah, I thought she called him a space wizard. I thought it was space wizard. All right, Look, episode were, eight rewatch. They were all oh, Jedi. I, I just watched it last night. Okay. Oh, no, she did. She said wizards known as Jedi. You're correct. I apologize. I apologize. Do we need to really go into the how often I am right? <laughs> yeah, no. And how often I am wrong? Yeah. So that's why I'm like, no one. Listen to our early episodes for Chad's no. bad predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so who do we have direct in the first episode? Well, I don't know if this is it. This is the list of what we have. But, um, uh, well, first of all, we're, we don't get uh, Taiko Itidi or Deborah Chow this season. Uh, their schedules are fully booked. But we do get, and it's listed here as John Favreau. He's listed first. So he's probably directing the first episode. Maybe. So uh, should I just list off the directors, then you do the titles? or? Oh, uh, yeah. Because I, I don't know if these are like the actual. And just for those wondering why Deborah Chow and Taika Waititi are not returning, uh, obviously they both have bigger projects to ta- tackle. Uh, Deborah Chow's headlining, or not headlining, that would be Ewan McGregor. <laughs> running. Yeah. Uh, she is running the Obi-Wan Kenobi series for Disney+. Oh, Plus. So excited. Can't wait. Can't wait can't and then Taika Waititi's doing the next Star Wars movie. Which we don't know what it is. Uh, 
And, I, and I don't have to know anything about it. I know. All, all I have to know <laughs> right. is he did episode eight. He worked in the brilliant comedy he did in that episode. Yep. Um, yeah, I, he could make a Star Wars sock and I would eat it, man. And like, it, it's good. It's good. And it's rumored to be the Kevin Feige Star Wars project. From what I've oh, wow. heard. Mm-hmm. Right. Start of a whole which, new friend. Yeah. Which they've done universe. Thor Ragnarok together. So. Yep. But uh, so the other directors we have, uh, Dave Filoni returns to live action. Uh, Grieve Karga, Carl Withers is directing an episode. Really excited for oh, that. Oh, yeah. That'll be cool. Uh, we're finding, you know, hearing interviews of them since even before the season one came out was he's got a passion for directing. So mm-hmm. that's really exciting. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Rick Famuyiwa return. Famuyiwa. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Rick. Um, but joining this year are pretty uh, heavy hitters in Hollywood. Uh, Peyton Reed. Uh, you might know him from directing the uh, two Ant-Man films. Well, we were saying uh, I Love You, Man. Oh, yeah. Basically anything with Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd should make a cameo <laughs> in that episode, yeah, probably. So, and uh, one I'm super excited for. He's listed last, so maybe he's doing the finale. But uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, one of my favorites of, for a long time. Yeah, yep. he's a great. And he, it's weird seeing him do Star Wars because he's so director, editor, cameraman, score. So being that he's just probably <laughs> one little... One little bit of uh, it'll be interesting to see him work so, as a team with, but, with a team of directors like they did. The first yeah, season. but I, I'm I can't sure wait. Second for, season will be that same way. Yeah, so I can't wait for this uh, roundtable uh, next season. Well, the the one thing in hearing that list and and is reassuring again as we move forward um, is you know they're going to have a love of Star Wars. Knowing Fabro, his one main requirement for a director in the series was a love of. Star Wars. So you see that list and like, oh my, thank you. Like, <laughs> keep that going. Keep it going with people who are good storytellers, have their own vision, but yet have a love for Star Wars and the source. And when when we talked about that list briefly before, my mind was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> because again, you have that weird kind of fear, like, is it going to be good? Is, you know, the success going to curb it some yeah. way or whatever? And then we come back to the same thing in Fabro and Filoni. So, we trust. So, and yeah. the directors that we did lose, we you know we gained the same. If we didn't drop, I don't think there's no drop off. If oh, anything, God, we no. kind of raised the bar. Maybe a oh. bit. Yeah. So back to chapter titles. We have chapter two, the confrontation, hmm. which could mean a lot of things. I, yeah, especially with all the people we've heard might be. He in. didn't make yeah. a lot of friends in the first season. <laughs> no, to he, be sure, he really didn't. I mean. You know, that would be a fun thing to do is do a Mandalorian body count. How many? <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think we've mentioned this rumored yet, but um, Bill Burr He's is retired. supposed to be coming back for yep. season two. So there's one oh. possible confrontation of yeah. very, very many that <laughs> there could be. After where he left him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those not familiar, that's episode six, um, which is kind of like yeah. the... Uh, <laughs> the train heist of westerns. Ming Na Wen yeah. was spotted on set too, so mm-hmm. we don't know what happened to mm-hmm. her. Finnick Chan. There are, yeah, yeah there are. Which really. could directly re- relate to episode three, the bounty, because we all know Finnick Chan had the bounty on her head. Yep. And that, oh man, again, we. It could be that, or it could be you know maybe they're coming for Tiny. Uh, any number of things that could all you know lead to. Or, Man, or even Mando could be looking for a job. He yep. could be. Maybe he gets a game. bounty that he doesn't want to do or whatever. I mean, that moral conundrum that he's been fighting. I mean, we, we, we see now 
at the end of season one that we feel like he shifted all the way over, but we don't know. He's been, you know, he's been bounty hunting for a long time. You got to, you got to pay for fuel some way or another. <laughs> so chapter four, I, it's probably like the least interesting title, but to me, I'm probably the most, this is one of the ones I'm most excited to see because it's titled the Republic, hmm. which post return of the Jedi in the old legends books, we got a lot of new Republic. And since Disney took over, that's probably the least thing that we've gotten because I believe the New Republic made it an hour into the new movies before they were all killed. Right. Yeah. So I think as Star Wars fans, we're excited to see what happened to the Rebel Alliance post Return of the Jedi. And that's something we didn't see in the first season. Yeah. And then the one thing you can make, um, which would be interesting because you have the client who has his uh, his little monologue about the empire and how they brought peace and prosperity to the universe and the galaxy. And what is it? Your new Republic brought you nothing. You know, I see nothing but fear and death and da da da. So yeah, when you have that, it is very interesting. Like, where are we going to go? How much we're going to see is, are they coming for him? Are they coming for Kara? Our car, you know, so many different things you can go run off on just that title alone because, you know, Cardoon says, Hey, if my chain code gets picked up anywhere. They're coming for me. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder, maybe we get backstory of her, hopefully. And then we move on to chapter five, the loyalist, which could mean anything. Loyal to what? The Death Watch? The Empire? <laughs> the Republic. Bogotan. Yeah. Considering we know now that the Culvert is Death Watch... Mm-hmm. I could see the loyalists kind of coming to that. Because we know from watching Clone Wars and Rebels, the Death Watch are a sect of Mandalorians that aren't necessarily representative of all of Mandalore. They mm-hmm. are seen as kind of the extremist loyalists to the old ways. Um, and obviously back in Legends again. But if you read Jango Fett Open Seasons comic books, you see that the Death Watch are very much outliers to Mandalorian culture. They have... You know, the the Mandalorian super commandos who were like the protectors of Mandalore and they butted heads with the Death Watch. Like in Legends, Death Watch aren't very well liked by mm-hmm. the other Mandalorians. So having an episode titled The Loyalist would make a little bit of sense. Um, and then we move on to The Sorcerer. Hmm. Hmm. Ahsoka. Sounds Jedi? like a space wizard, maybe? Yeah. Jedi, Magi- maybe. Little magic hand thing. Yeah. Ahsoka, maybe. Make the baby do the magic Ooh, hand thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 7 The Return. Which I hope is not indicative of a return to Navarro, because I would like to see Cara Dune and Grief Karga much earlier in yep. season two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the return of Moff Gideon. Who knows? Or IG comes back. <laughs> <laughs> is that a hot take? Are we getting a hot take on the MercsCon line edition? <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't even think uh, there's anybody around that could put. <laughs> yeah, could make that happen. So. And then finally, chapter eight, the finale of season two, with probably. Like, just hearing this title should give you chills in a sense of dread and doom. The Empire. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Wow. I, wow. Don't, I don't even want to, I mean, I don't even want to venture a guess, man. Because the the mind runs amok with ideas <laughs> at, the, at this point. Especially in the Star Wars. Family. Yeah, oh, you see God. that as the last chapter and you're just like, bad things are about to bad. happen to everybody. Bad, bad. yep. So we got a we do got a bad bad villain, which I mean, and bad villain I mean a good villain, a yes. great villain. Giancarlo Esposito, one of the most talented actors yes. of this yep. decade, hands down. 
if you haven't, well, I mean, we don't talk about non Star Wars stuff, but if you haven't watched him in Breaking Bad, just the, uh, I, I, I can't even talk about it. It's just so good. He will scare you and you'll be like, but he's nobody. But he's such you, a little guy, but yeah. he's so much, mm-hmm. his, his presence in everything he does, mm-hmm. and especially I mean, his, his Gideon. Aside from the f- final scene of season one, just hearing him monologue in the first part of the last episode. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, oh, my God, yeah. Scary, I, I would join the Empire. Stuff. Freaking people out. Freaking out three hardened people by just talking. You're like, oh, my God. Just talking to him, and he freaked him out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they've had great Imperial characters for season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, between the client... And uh, Moff Gideon, just that is what you had come to expect from the original trilogy when it came to, came to bad guys. Mm-hmm. Nothing beats a good bad guy mm-hmm. or yeah. a really bad bad. And bad guy. Werner Herzog's voice too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't, can't beat that. <laughs> amazing characters all the way around, and the way they tied the whole story together. Worth a watch every single time. Worth a rewatch and another watch, and uh, wait for the second season. For sure. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. Yeah, we we can't wait. So with that, I'd like to take one final opportunity to let you all know that Merck's Con line is for the benefit of UNICEF for the COVID-19 relief. Uh, As I'd said earlier, everyone's been affected in their own way. I know it's hard times for everybody, but always think of the people that have it worse off than you. Donate what you can, because that is the Mandalorian way. And so with that, this has been the Mando Show, the Clan of Four. We have been, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here and talk to you guys today. We hope that you will join us on our podcast, The Mando Show. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, anywhere. Where Stitcher, Google, Google Play, and SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, enjoy the rest of Merck's Conline. Lots of interviews with different uh, Star Wars characters. Lots of uh, roundtables about the club and not just Star Wars, but costume building and everything you could wonder. Uh, if you don't catch any of it live, it will be available for rewatch on the Facebook page and MandalorianMercs.com. And don't forget to interact with us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at The Mando Show. And with that, we're going to remind you, this is the way. This, this is, is the way. way.